welcome to the Wonder Woman podcast, where we discuss a variety of subjects all pertaining to optimizing your physique, building strength, developing a strong mindset and tools to help you win at life. I'm Michelle McDonald, and I'm the founder of the Wonder Woman Coaching Team. We are a community of results-driven coaches and clients who believe that we can age like never before. Welcome to the Wonder Woman podcast. And today we have two very special guests for you. One is Marisa Inda. She is a multiple time champion powerlifter and Jen Thompson, another multiple times champion powerlifter. And both of these gals are in their 40s slash 50s. Marisa, you are, are you, you're 48 now? I'll be 48, yeah. This year? Yeah, I'll be 48. Forever 25. Yeah, this year in July. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just not counting anymore. It's always to it. <laughs> I love I love celebrating these milestones. And Jen, you are my age, I think. We're neck and neck. Yeah, I'm 50. I turned 50 in June. Oh, oh, okay. I've I've passed you then. You, that's much, right, because you how did you celebrate your 50th? Share it oh, with the audience. We Come went on. to Grand Grand Cayman. We went to Grand Cayman Islands. And I uh, took my boys and we snorkeled and all sorts of fun stuff when some sailing. Wow. Trips. It was amazing. <laughs> um, I actually was thinking about your bench press because it's, oh, it's yeah. so jaw dropping. I had, I think I had a world record somewhere around there. 322, I think. Yeah. I remember it because we were going to do this podcast back in the summer <laughs> And I think I was missing a piece of technology. So we had to just chat and it sh we should have recorded it because it was a great chat. Yeah. Um, but so let me introduce the two of you. So, uh, you know, I, for my listeners, I have known Marisa and Jen for a very long time um, since I first got excited about powerlifting way back in, I think it was 2014. And I was following a group called the Iron Sisters and they were doing these camps uh, around North America and they were bringing in these champions like Marisa and Jen um, to show us how to lift properly and get inspiration as well. So that's how I first met them. I had an opportunity to go to the Juggernaut Training Center uh, back back in the day when it was in California and M Marisa was there, Jen was there, a few other top pros were there and I think there were about 40, 40 other girls there, right? 40 women that were interested to develop their skills in powerlifting. I yeah, I think there was like probably that. about 50, 50 people there at that time when we had the juggernaut headquarters. So yeah, it was a really good, yeah. it was a fun time. And the energy was amazing. Yeah. yeah. I loved those uh, weekends just because um, you got to meet such amazing people. And I totally remember Michelle hundred percent because you were like so into everything and you wanted explanation and why is this? And then it was just, I was trying to me. suck everything out of you, you guys. And, and I remember your husband, Donovan, <laughs> totally. And I remember your husband, Donovan was telling, telling us about, um, using the bar. I'll never forget that using the bar to wedge yourself in. And I still mm -hmm. use that when I cue our own athletes to just wedge in tight. And it's one thing that I, that I hone in on and look when I'm analyzing videos from, from lifters, you can see that they're not that tight. And, um, okay. So both of you, one thing that I really want to dive into with you guys, because most of the people that listen to this are going to be 30, thirties and up. And I kind of want to cover two key aspects. And th these 
podcasts just fly by. Um, so I really want to make sure that we hit on one, if he could do it all over again, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently in terms of like training volume, how many competitions a year you do, um, maybe balance, right? Work life, training, balance, like, so those sorts of things. If there's anything that you would do a little bit differently, what advice would you give your younger self? So you could, you know, maybe have avoided some, some injuries or pitfalls. And then also where you are now is both of you have experienced injury. You've both made comebacks. I know Jen, you're still going strong with that, with that major labral tear. So then also some advice on, you know, making, coming back after injury or uh, when it's, when it's time to step, step away, like all of those sorts of questions. So does that sound good to you too? Yeah, yes. that's too much at one time. We're going to have to go step by step. <laughs> okay. Let's start with the first one. Let's start with the, okay. if you could go back in time to your younger self, just getting started, what things would you do differently? Let's start with just um, training, training volume, that sort of thing. What would you do differently? Would you add stuff in, take stuff out? Who wants to dive in? Um, I'll go. I... So I started lifting when I was 17 years old. And I think one of the things that I did right is I started bodybuilding and I still had like the compound lifts in there, but I really just worked on just getting muscular. You know, the more muscle you have, the more weight that you're going to move. And um, I think that that really just helped me stay injury free longer and also just progress in a different way instead of just focusing too early on being specific with squat bench and deadlift all of the time. Um, not like I know what other lifters are doing, but when you see them post, it's always squat, bench, and dead, squat, bench, and dead. And they're like 15 years old without really doing any of the accessory stuff. If there was one thing that I could go back and do differently, I would incorporate more rotational movements. So things where you're doing some kind of twisting in there, I think that would have helped prevent uh, the back issues that I have only because powerlifting is, you know, everything is straight up and down. You're not doing any type of twisting or bending and, you know, your body's meant to move in all these different directions. So I think I definitely would have incorporated more rotational stuff and stuff that just included like more flexion because powerlifting, we're always having like that neutral back or we're in extension. So I would do stuff that incorporated a little bit more flexion, which is actually stuff that I do in my rehab now just to avoid and prevent injury that, you know, I think that would have just helped prevent the issues that I had with my back. I love that. So like more muscle, like make sure you're putting on muscle tissue, muscle mass. That's mm -hmm. one key takeaway. Yes. And then the other one is, is doing some preventative. Yeah. Moving you know, really all directions, right. I think mm -hmm. like if you're always doing this, you need to do stuff where you're doing some kind of twisting. You need to do stuff for your inflection if you're always in that neutral spine position. So just incorporating things like that. I think would have made a world of difference as I got, you know, into competing a lot more and being at like a more elite level. I think that would have made a huge difference. Jen, I think you're, you're, you're on the edge of your seat here. <laughs> well, I, it is funny because we started like more bodybuilding uh, workouts as well. I mean, back in the nineties, um, you know, powerlifting was not like a well-known uh, sport and we didn't have the media we have now to know about. I mean, I had, when I first started lifting, I just started lifting because um, I was super skinny and I was just real, I had no shape. I was super straight, you know, like I had no boobs, no shoulders. I was just, I was a runner. I had a runner body. Um, and so I didn't want to run. I wanted to get into, I just wanted to have some shape muscle, like Marisa was saying. So we were just following like workouts in powerlifting or uh, muscle and fitness magazine. And like some of the workouts Donovan's old army buddies were doing, you know? And so it was, I think, in some ways that benefited me, like you were saying, Marisa, where 
we were, um, we actually didn't even squat or deadlift at all, honestly, <laughs> bench pressed a whole lot. Um, but we did so many accessory exercises, but I look back at what we did and we just taxed ourselves out so much, so often, um, that there was a lot of starting and stopping and then starting back over again and, and stopping. So I think, um, respect reflectively, like I wish I would have known a little bit more and incorporated squats and, and deadlifts in the beginning, we weren't doing any of it. We we're just doing like hip sleds and stuff like that. But, um, I think, uh, rest is, has been kind of the key to my success is, um, rest and understanding, um, your body's limits has been big. You know, back then I didn't care too much about nutrition. I was very much into having a good time. So I probably could have been a little <laughs> The glory days of youth. <laughs> yeah, that, you know, in that way. And, um, but yeah, so I think probably just understanding rest and your body's limits and a little bit more focus, like the bodybuilding workouts we did were like hours long and all over the place with like a lot of different body parts where they, you know, weren't, you know, powerlifting were very specific in like a certain part with, you know, you're working on power and speed and things like that, where this was like really just, um, pushing yourself as hard as you can for as long as you can. And, um, that ended up being like short lived. I mean, I'd start, I'd stop, I'd start, I'd stop. You know? Okay. So you had to stop because you were just like get injured or fatigued or I was it was just fatigued and like, it was no fun. Like, like At the end you're like, yeah, I'm not doing this. So how long are your workouts now? Um, now they're two hours, but a lot <laughs> of that is, you know, because I work out with my friends, I would say, um, a lot of that is, um, broken up with just fun and chatting and, you know, like having moments of intensity, but then a little breaks. So, I mean, if we, we usually have like five working out at one time, so that takes about two hours, but if we have like usually leg day, no one wants to come to leg day. So we can usually get those done an hour and a half. <laughs> Now, Marisa, I know you're like on the other end of things, right? Because you, I remember clearly seeing your posts on Instagram saying that your workout, you're a busy mom and your workouts were like 45 minutes or something like that. Yeah. Even at the peak of like competing, like for worlds and, you know, nationals, like, yeah, my workouts would take 45, even like on peak weeks where we would do squat bench and deadlift and hit singles. It would take me like, you know, 30 minutes to get, you know, almost, uh, winning total like in the gym. And, and that's more just because a, I move pretty fast. Um, my bench warmups, I don't, I take bigger jumps. I didn't need like these, a ton of warming up even with like squat and, and deadlift. It's all relative, right? You know, if I was squatting 800 pounds, probably going to take longer to get to that top point, but because my squat has always been bleh, you know, it didn't take as long to get up to like that 315 range. So yeah, even now, like, 30, 45 days, minutes. just curious. Huh? How many days did you work out a week? Five days. Okay, so mine's four. <laughs> so yours are maybe longer because you have less days to spread yeah. it out over. Yeah. Um, but it's pro probably also some individual differences, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but so going back in time then, Jen, what would you say to yourself to do differently? Just making sure that you're having more precision in your actual training, making sure you're recovering, I think recovering, probably making better choices. I mean, I, I still to this today, I don't want to, um, for the most part, not do things because of powerlifting. Like I don't want to not 
not go skiing because I'm worried about powerlifting or not do this or that. And a lot of my injuries actually did come from wakeboarding, not even powerlifting. So <laughs> um, I held true to that. Uh, but at the same time, I could have probably been a little less riskier. But I think too, like I just had no idea about nutrition. Like I don't think I necessarily, um, I mean, I was never overweight, but we ate cheap. We ate a lot of fast food. We didn't, you know, we were college kids. We didn't have a lot of money. Um, my roommates would always say, um, you fly, I'll buy. So I would get free food if I went and picked it up. <laughs> so, no way. You fly, I'll buy. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just, you know, eat at work, you know, whatever I could just. And um, so like the idea that nutrition really fuels your workouts was just not even like, I thought, and I honestly really didn't come into like really considering my nutrition, you know, probably into my thirties. Like I just, mm -hmm. it wasn't an interest of mine. And I just, I, I guess I, I just didn't really realize what a profound effect it can have on. Oh, huge you know, effect. Performance. What about, what about things like your cycle? Would you, would you do anything differently now around Definitely would have added in more rest days than we had. So now, now we have a eight day, we do, don't do it in a seven day cycle. We do an eight day cycle and we do two days on two days off. And that's been, um, pretty awesome. The last probably 10 years that we've, we've done that. So that's been huge. And I actually, I actually met your period. Like if you do, you oh, do anything differently around, yeah, that, that cycle. No, that cycle. Sorry. <laughs> I think Marisa oh, do. Did you know Marisa what I talked about? <laughs> I feel like um, like, okay. like me in this where oh. she doesn't do anything differently. Because this is because some people are really into this, right? Some mm -hmm. people are really into this training around your cycle, and then of course I don't know if you guys fo follow um, uh, Dr. Stuart Phillips, but he's just recently did a meta analysis, and they really they really not showing anything substantial yeah. around uh, training around your cycle. No, I just train. I just trained when I was supposed to train, and sometimes it wasn't as much fun. But you just sort of gritted yourself through it, take some ibuprofen and just hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's Marisa. kind of like this new fitness craze where like women will sell these programs based on your cycle. And the fact of the matter is like I tell everyone, especially if you're going to compete, you don't get to choose your meat day. So if you start getting this mental block in your head, like, oh, I'm going to be on my period. So I'm going to be weak. Well, then you're going to be weak. I mean, you don't get to choose your meat day. Um, and that's just like anything. If you have, have a bad night's sleep, your training the next day is probably going to feel terrible. So you just adjust as you go. If you feel tired, well, then adjust your, your training for that day because you're feeling tired. But like this thing where it's like, oh, I'm not going to train like during this phase or during this phase, I'm going to do that of my cycle. Like I have you, have you ever won a competition or PR every competition? I think <clears throat> I was on my period. I won um, in 2023, oh, no. I was on my period. So I just like, I've just never, you know, thought about it as being like, oh, I need to adjust things during this time. And I think like, is there like exceptions for some women? Of course, if you have PCOS or you're dealing with endometriosis, completely different than just the standard period that most females have where you're dealing with maybe some cramping, you know, drink some water, take some Advil and, you know. That's a great that. point. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. When I was on birth control, I used to manipulate it so that it was not on meat day. Yeah. That's smart. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I was, I had Victoria Falker on. I don't know if you guys follow her. She's a fabulous uh, PhD candidate, but she was actually talking about whether uh, birth control is something that should be considered, or she was looking at, you know, why, you know, we don't look at birth control. We don't look at estrogen as something mm -hmm. that is, you know, off the table for athletes. Um, but everyone's really concerned about testosterone, for example. I hope I didn't just mangle that, Victoria, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> um, 
and in terms of, so if, uh, young gals that are listening to this, um, I think, you know, so potentially if you're serious about competing, don't get too caught up in um, training around your cycle. Understand that you are going to have to train through tough days, whether it's from your cycle or whether it's from work fatigue or all I'm of those sick. sorts of things. Who knows? <laughs> you always want to try to mitigate what you can, right? So control your controllables. So if there are things that you can do, like, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but sometimes with an athlete, I will, um, I rarely do it because I, most of my gals are no longer having a cycle to be honest. Um, but I might say, Hey, if, if I got a couple gals that do have a bad, bad periods and we'll say, well, why don't you do your heavy lifting on Monday before you get deeper into your, you know, PMS type of symptoms? Do you ever do anything like that? You just, you just like, you just going to grind through it. I get pretty bad migraines, um, when I, when I have it. And so have some good medicine thankfully but usually it's just i find if i just get in it then it's fine like you feel horrible like before you're going but once once your focus is off of that on how horrible it is or how much your head hurts or this or that and you're just focused on the training and that becomes the focus that it's not it's not such a huge factor as you might think it is and i don't know about you guys but i find the worst thing I mean, I don't have a cycle anymore, but I remember the worst thing was not doing anything. It made the pain worse. So I actually preferred to do something. And I had this idea in my head. It was probably just imagination. But I felt that once I got the blood flowing, um, the cramps would ease off, especially if I was, you know, really doing something of high intensity. It just, or maybe it was a distraction or, you know, pain kills the pain. And I always sort of thought too, like when you build pressure and let it go, like that made it feel better. <laughs> like it was different kind of pressure or something. But I always thought like when you're doing your, um, whether it's a one rep max or you're going in and just doing a heavy set, just that building that huge pressure into your belly and like really bearing down tight. Like it always just made, for me, I always, and maybe it's placebo, I don't know, but it made me feel better. Like once I just got in there, I, th- I just always thought it was like just a different kind of pressure. So maybe it's taking it off one area. I don't know. That's, there's probably no science to that, but it made sense in my head. Or science, <laughs> science hasn't caught up to us yet. Yeah. But I think we all experienced something very similar, right? It's like, ah, you just you kind of you iron it out when you're in the gym. And nutrition. So if you're a younger athlete, and younger these days is 30s. <laughs> that, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, think about your nutrition and think about recovery. These are two pieces that if you can be smart about it and not just kind of rely on your genetics and being younger to mop up uh, the damage, if you can dial that in a little bit better, don't have to be crazy, but just, you know, people kind of miss, especially with macros, macronutrients, protein, carbs, fat, they oftentimes miss the micros, the micronutrients. They're not thinking about eating the colors of the rainbow. So think about your nutrition, get the protein in. What else would you guys add there? Um, I, for me, I, I don't really focus a ton. Like I'm, I, the only thing I really make sure is I'm getting my protein in because I feel like that's super important, but I think carbs get a really bad rap. People tend not to eat carbs because they're worried they're going to get fat, but it's really the kind of carbs that you're going to eat, you know, and when you're going to eat them. So, um, I think just, I mean, our food is so terrible here in the U.S. Like, it's probably easier for in California for for you, Marisa. I feel like they have better food out there. But um, and here in the South, like it's like bad. And so, just focusing on 
um, coming back and cooking for yourself and cooking with real food and eating real food and really getting rid of the protein bars and all that sort of stuff and getting your food from its natural source. Um, for me, it just made me feel a hundred percent better. Um, just overall, I think even just my mental well-being was better when I kind of made that final strip of just getting rid of all the process. And I don't even think I ate terribly processed food, but um, like no fast food at all, things like that, I think just has um, such a huge effect on your performance, but just their overall well-being. I mean, because you can get really nutty with the tracking and stuff and get out of scale. And that, I mean, for me, that would drive me to the insane asylum. Um, but as long as I feel like I'm staying fairly true to, to what is good for my body and just keeping being self-aware, um, I feel like you can, you can do well with just that. I don't, I don't think you have to overdo it. Yeah. I mean, I think coming from like a different cultural background, I think there is some benefit if you are Latino or black and just learning how to still make the stuff that you're used to at home, but make it in a healthier way. Because I know even like when I talk to my mom, she's like, oh, it's healthy. But everything like in Mexican cuisine is made with manteca, which is like lard. And so you might think, oh, those beans are healthy, but you just dumped two tablespoons of lard in there. So I do think like if you are older and you come from a different cultural background to learn like different techniques on how to still make your food the way that you want to make it, but just where you can cut back so it's not, you know, so heavy in fats or so heavy in other things, I think is like really important. I think also just learning moderation so that you don't necessarily need to cut out everything in your life, but just learning like, okay, I want chips, but I don't need to eat the fun family size bag of them. So, you know, like even Great when point. I was small, I would always tell them like, well, you get a handful, whatever fits in your hand, that's what you eat. And, you know, a lot of those little things like, you know, it's just as things that they've taken with them now that they're older and both of my kids eat really well. I meal prep for my son every single Sunday. They're not crazy trackers, but they've learned how to just eat, you know, within moderation. And then even just with cooking and stuff, like things that I grew up making, like eating albondigas and enchiladas, just changing the way that that's made so that it's not super fattening. I mean, and it's a huge difference because, and you know, Michelle, you live in Mexico. So like if you're eating, you know, probably tacos that you make versus like enchiladas that you get from like the local vendor there, it's going to be a completely different taste. And, you know, not that one's better than the other, but one's definitely certainly more healthier. That's a, that's such a great point. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking of this amazing place in Tulum where it's so good, but literally like if, if, if I go to one place, I can have six tacos, no problem. They're, they're so uh, low in fat. They're the ones that are um, on the spits, but I go to this other place and it's, it's actually conchonated pabil, you know, conchonated pabil. Yeah. And literally the, the, the juices that are draining from this taco, you can see the shiny oil, yeah. like <laughs> like two tablespoons of oil at the, at the bottom of my plate. So I'm lucky if I, I can eat three um, because I, I get full so fast and I've been auto-regulating. I've taught myself what true auto-regulation auto is like from years of, of competing in physique competitions. So you know if something is loaded yeah. in fat yeah. because you just your, your stomach valve closes off. Um, but it's true that a lot of people need that initial, uh, that like, a, like the, the, the guidance for what healthy balanced meals look like. And you look at most recipes, I open them up and I'm like, oh my God, a quarter cup of oil and then a can of tomatoes. And you're thinking a quarter cup of oil, there's nothing in that oil, number one, it's just oil. It's not like eggs that have choline and B vitamins. So why are we putting all this, it doesn't have a taste, right? So why are we wasting all these macros on 
oil and we could be adding some olive and cheese or whatever. You don't know what you don't know. So I think with a lot of first time people getting into nutrition, it's like they think they eat healthy and you ask them, how are you making that? And then when you really get down to the nitty gritty, well, I've added this, this, and this. I'm like, well, wow, without you just turned that into a 3,000 calorie meal. <laughs> like, yeah. An accident. And I think too, like when you start eating that way, like when you eat like more natural, more healthy, and then you eat something that's not, it doesn't taste good anymore. Yeah. Where before that was probably something you ate all the time. So like when you think about going to like more of a clean diet, it's not such a huge sacrifice, like all the time where you feel like you're missing out on all those, you know, Oreo cookies and whatever, you know, you put a store-bought cookie in front of me. I'm like, no, thank you. Cause now when I taste it, I feel like it tastes like plastic. It tastes like I feel like I can taste the preservatives in it. I know I can't, but, um, you know, it, it just, it takes the, the other food takes on such a wonderful flavor compared to what you were previously eating. And it's just, it ends up being better. It's not like some big, like you're denying yourself from all these things that you want. You really don't even want them anymore. Yeah. It's the, you change your palate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important, and especially for the younger gals, is it doesn't have to be expensive. You know, like the research is out. It doesn't have to be all organic. You know, obviously you want to make sure you're getting high quality uh, protein sources and you're washing your fruits and vegetables, but it doesn't have to be expensive stuff. And I have a um, a goddaughter who's uh, on a, uh, you know, full soccer scholarship in the States. And it's amazing still to this day what is lacking in the nutrition coaching aspect, even though these universities are paying a lot of money for their athletes. It's very basic generic advice, like just eat more food instead of being specific, like eat more protein and and go to Costco. And here's like three great sources of protein um, that are economical and, and easy for a student, busy student to, 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 to get. So I think, you know, it's important um, to get that knowledge out there because I think younger gals are still sadly starving for that knowledge, even in this day, you know, this era of, you know, information saturation, that it's easy to get the good food in. It's easy to get the protein in. It's easy to get a lot of the unnecessary ingredients out. Here's how you do it. Um, and uh, it doesn't have to be expensive. Right. Yeah, I think, too, like my son Tuck was in uh, baseball, playing baseball in college last year, and he couldn't wait to come home to eat food. He's like, the food in the cafeteria there is is disgusting. Like, you, there's right? nothing healthy to eat. And so he would be like, he would try to eat a salad um, and then try to get some chicken breast if they had it. Like, but, I mean, it just... I guess, you know, they're trying to feed masses, so they're just doing it, I guess, as cheap as they can, although we paid, like, an arm and a leg for a stupid food plan. (laughs) But he would come home on weekends. He's like, Mom, will you make this or will you make that? Because, you know, and he's on an athletic scholarship there, but there's not good food provided to the students that are there. And I see that I hear the same thing from his friends at other colleges as well, and I find that just mind-blowing because they're probably doing research on it somewhere on that campus, you know? Yeah, totally. I think if somebody's listening here, here's a business idea. Go to the universities and pitch getting great nutritious food and nutrition information out to people because we're, we're facing a health crisis and it's a health crisis for our generation, but God forbid the people that are coming behind us. It, I don't know what's going to be left. <laughs> it's certainly not a good, it's not a good, good forecast if they're still, um, feeding people that way, the same way that they, they fed us when we were in university. Um, okay. 
let's, so let's, let's fast forward to people our age, right? You're getting injured. You either want to get strong. I see this all the time. You want to get strong, but you're worried about your injuries. How to, what's a great game plan? What would you recommend? Uh, because you've both been through major in- injuries and you're still going strong. Holy crap, Jen, I just saw you on your Instagram. <laughs> you're you're uh, snuggling into the bar. I'm w- looking at your hips. I, have you sent that video to your surgeon? <laughs> no, I probably should though. Like- <laughs> <laughs> He'll be posting that on his on his social social media, right? right? Yeah, I fixed this woman. Look at her. <laughs> so just to just just so the audience that's listening, Jen, back in I think it was 2017, mm-hmm. you completely frayed your labrum, like it started off with as a pain, and you just kept plowing through it until it was totally frayed. Yeah. Yes? Yeah, I had it repaired in 2017. I won worlds in 2018, and then. Um, in 2019, I blew out my obturator squatting at the Arnold and, um, it was like a grade three tear, which is pretty significant. So I had to come back from that. And, um, on the MRI I got, you know, that it was obviously that was a huge tear, but no one noticed this little small fracture I had in my pelvis. So I, I mended the obturator and I just, I worked my way back slowly to lift heavy and I was deadlifting and I heard this pop and I completely fractured my pelvis. Like there was complete separation in my pelvis. I missed that. The the x-ray, you could actually see space like between the pelvis. So it actually didn't even really hurt that much after I did it. It just the only option to heal it is just to not do anything. Like they were talking about screwing some plates on it to, you know, stabilize it, it, stabilize it. But they kind of thought that would be doing more damage than just, you know, seeing. So I got MRIs like every four or five months to make sure it was healing. And then when it was finally healed, they're like, okay, you can start back at it. And it was just, you know, um, starting with the bar and then adding fives, (laughs) adding tens. And, um, it was a little bit, um, I mean, I could have still bench, so at least there was that, but, <laughs> um, you know, it was hard to come back, you know, for another time, you know, after the labrum and then after the operator and then now there's, yeah. there's a third Did time. you have to start from scratch each time? Start from scratch every wow. single time. Um, but I just kind of felt like this is something I love to do. And Donovan, my husband had made this chart. And he's like, if you go up five pounds every single week in three months, you're going to be right back into working weight. So don't worry about it. You know, so he had to kind of put things in, in perspective. But like we always say, you know, the powerlifting and, you know, whatever weight training of some sorts is, is a longevity sport. I mean, you can literally do it forever. So it just never even occurred to me to um, to not come back. <laughs> just. It's what I enjoy doing. It's what I do, you know? So, you know, you just, you just start back. I'm like, okay, well, this is where we're going and let's just get better and just take it day by day. And so, you know, I've done that multiple times through Mm -hmm. my career and I've been able to get back to. So, so how, because, because I have not been able to get back into it after um, my injury and I, I can kind of get to a certain place and then that's it. My body just, you know, and I just tell myself, well, I don't have a body made for this sport. Is there something that you do, but maybe not, maybe it's my hallucination. Maybe there's something that you're doing where you're noticing, <laughs> like, do you ever, how do you navigate? Or, um, well, I work a lot with squat university. 
um, Dr. Aaron there. And anytime I have something that doesn't feel right, I send him a little video and then he sends me back what I need to do. And it, how often, how often does this happen? Um, maybe twice a year. Okay, so we all have to work with Dr. Aaron Horshig uh, from Squat U. I mean, like even I have like <laughs> IT problems, which I've never had before in my life ever. And I sent him a video. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, I've never had a problem with this. And he's like, no worries. Just do this and then do this and do this. And darn it, if I just follow what he does and then it's gone. So, um, wow. you know, I think, I think what that really shows is a lack you know, we need a lot more Dr. Aaron's in the athletic field that really understand, you know, heavy lifting and what we're trying to get our bodies to do and what we can do to fix those little, as you like to say, niggles. Um, you know, uh, we need a we need a more vast. So our young people need to start going into um, more of this physical therapy type of stuff so that they can start helping us all get a little bit better. There's a need for it for sure. I think. Okay, so. Work with Aaron or send your kids to school to become a physio. Yeah. Who works with people who lift heavy weight. Yes. Marisa, give, give us your, uh, your bird's eye view on this because it's, you've also had that journey with you know, recurring aggravations. and. Yeah. So I've been dealing with like uh, SI sciatic issues uh, due to like piriformis syndrome. And that all started in 2017 after I won Worlds. And it was, it would just come and go every time I would get into like heavier loads, it would come back and I would still work through it and I would still compete. And I was even able to, you know, pull 190 kilos, like my, my last like nationals before when, before USAPL split. <laughs> so, you know, and I was still able to like PR, which took like almost over two and a half years just to add two and a half kilos to my deadlift. Um, so, you know, motion is lotion. There's always a workaround. So, you know, throughout life, you're going to have to squat and pick things up off of the ground. So I would encourage everyone to just find a workaround. So you're still able to lift because you still have to live life. And as you get older, it helps with, you know, bone density. It helps, you know, just it's a fountain of youth, right? You know, I, like Jen said, like when you're not doing anything, you almost feel worth, worse. Everything tightens up. You feel like, oh, like I feel terrible. And as you work through it, it might hurt in the beginning, but then as you get going, like everything warms up and you feel better about it. Um, I don't compete anymore and and more so just I don't like the feeling of having pain for three to four weeks after like a heavy pull, you know, even working with like pay out of Australia. She's a really good PT as well that, you know, will give you work around so that you can get to that point again. And for me, it just became one of those like, OK, is it worth, you know, trying to pull, you know, heavy, heavy weight again and then be in pain for two to three weeks and then have to come back from that? And I just love training so much that I don't like having to then just keep doing the workarounds just so that I can compete and not even compete at the level that I want to, because I would want to stay in open. And in order to stay in open, I have to lift loads that, you know, these 20 something year old girls, it, it's crazy in the 52 kilo class where there used to be a 330 squat was the world record. Now it's almost 400 pounds. So it's like, I, wow. you have to really then temper it's shot up for yeah, sure. it's shot up a ton. <laughs> And I, I think even the world record deadlift now is over 200 kilos in the 52 kilo class. So that's 440 some pounds, four times body weight. So you really have to, if you want to compete at that level and you're dealing with injury, you have to decide, okay, is it going to be worth it to be in pain weeks after, you know, because when you compete at that level, things are going to happen. Things are going to hurt. And I don't care if you're working with the best coach or the best PT, you're asking your body to do a lot of things. And for me, it's like, well, I enjoy training. I don't want to have to like take 
10 steps backwards to take two steps forward and then maybe only take 10th because now I'm just not at that level more so probably just mentally at this point to get to where I need to get to be competitive in the open class. So I think for most people, you need to lotion is lotion, find a workaround, but then also temper your expectations. If you're dealing with an injury, if your PR was 420 pounds when you were perfectly healthy, probably not going to have that PR. That's not going to be your, you know, your, your one rep max when you're coming back from an injury. So then you have to kind of start at that bottom again and be okay with working your way back up, knowing that maybe at your next meet, you won't hit you know, what you did before, but it's just going to take some time to get back there. So. Jen, how much, you know, how much pain do you experience? It sounds like not a lot, even though you've had these big, no. big injuries, it sounds like it's not really part of your experience. No. Um, I just have, you know, the regular muscle soreness you get just from lifting heavy weights, but I like that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have to like that a little bit to want to do this sport like my adductors right now are on fire from squats the other day but like that just tells me like I kicked ass in my training so it's all right you know um but I don't uh, as long as I just keep up my like, like there are my mobility drills and my um my workarounds, I guess, is what we would call them. But as long as I just keep up with that, I, I mean, I go down to the gym a half hour before everybody does now so that I can get in my, I have like these core drills that I do, like these um, band I put around my hips and do hip thrusts and just different things like that in the airplanes. So I kind of have this little maintenance routine that I do. And then if something starts feeling funky, then I figure out what else I need to add into that. And then, you know, when it's fixed, I can drop it off. Um but I mean, I, if I was in Marisa's spot, I wouldn't be doing this anymore either. My one rule is if I ever require another surgery, I'm done. I'm not having one more. <laughs> so when I get to that point, I'm just done. Uh, so I think some good advice then is number one, and this is something I struggle with as a, as a coach, like you've got to find, and I know it's hard, I know it sucks to hear this, but you do have to find somebody that you can count on, like a really good physio, sports physio that is used to training with athletes and doesn't believe that the answer is just to stop doing everything. Um, it has a good skill set, right? Like they should be either using an app or setting you, you know, like videos to follow or, or something to do, right? So that's that's one key if you, you want to be lifting weights, whether it's powerlifting or even, you know, gym weights, uh, it's normal to have issues in your rotator cuff or in your hip socket or your knees, um, or maybe it's like your IT band. And so having some kind of recourse there is really, really important. I think the other thing that I'm hearing um, from you, Jen, is... And I, I, I remember you at one point said you didn't do too much warming up, but you're saying, no, now I've really got to do. do my whole thing. Okay. So <laughs> you've been slapped. <laughs> before I was 50. <laughs> I used to honestly just do, you know, warming up with whatever exercise I was doing. You know, I'd do like four warm-ups of squat and then I'd head right to it or four warm-ups of bench and head right to it. And, um, and I don't know that I do like a ton of stuff now. Like I'm not working out before my workout, but I found that if I keep, I just keep up with these, um, it's drills. really like three drills, you know, that I do, then everything feels just fine. So, I'm sure <laughs> but I think too. some of it too, as you get older, you make better choices about, you know, the weights that you're doing and how you're lifting it. And when your body says, yeah, that felt not great right, or something felt a little funky, funky about that. You don't just, you know, push through it. You start 
start paying attention to that and finding alternate things that don't make it feel that way. So I think it's just like training a little smarter just because you've got a little wisdom behind your age now. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure Jen will agree. Like once you have, you get like those kind of maintenance rehab exercises and things feel good, like just to still stay doing them, you yeah, know, you don't, like, you don't stop. I've, yeah, I've don't I tried stop. it. It doesn't work. <laughs> I tried it too. So it's like, Oh, I feel good. I'm not going to do this anymore. And then you're like, Oh crap. Yeah. Don't feel good anymore. And so it's like, once, once you have dealt with injuries and just being very mindful about, even when you're feeling good, you still incorporate those. Maybe you do less or you don't do them. You know, you, if you're doing 10 things, you, you take that down to five, but still having those things in there in your routine, even if it's like in between, you know, squatting with just the bar and then, you know, doing, you know, your, your airplanes, like you're, but you're, you're still maintaining by doing those exercises, even when things start to feel good. So my, my little tangerine brain here is thinking, I got to get in touch with Dr. Aaron. I'm going to give him a plug in this and I'm going to see if he can get me back to doing sumo because I, every time I touch sumo, even if it's lightweight, I just get slapped. My hip is just, forget about it. I don't know what it is. I'm telling you, he is magic. I was about ready to just retire because I was having oh, wow. still so much pain with this abdurator tear that I had. And I tried everything and I even tried like a sports PT person here. And I was like, like Marisa was saying, like every time I lifted, it was just painful. And I was just so over lifting with pain. And then a friend of mine said, do you follow squat university? I said, yeah. And he goes, why don't you just call him like last stitch effort, just call him. And I was like, okay. So I messaged him and um, I said, the, this is my problem. Do you think you Hi, do you know me? I'm Jen Thompson. Yeah, Jen, I, well, I explained who I was first because that maybe he doesn't know me. Um, and then he was like, yes, I can fix you. And I'm like, well, can we have like a Zoom call first? Because he's in St. Louis. I'm in Charlotte. And so I'm like, I, I, like, I feel like I need to explain more, like what my problem is and demonstrate it, you know, because I'm like, and do you think you can fix me? He goes, yes, I need three days. And I was like, well, all right. So, you know, I got a ticket. I stayed with Bonnie Schroeder and Matt Vincent. They live right next to him. And um, I stayed with them for three days. And like after the first day, I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then by the last day, I was like, oh, my God, this is awesome. You know, wow, like, that's a great yes. story. Yeah. And so now I think because I've been there once, like I can, um, you know, I can refer back to him for anything that's coming from that, but I did have to go and work with him like hands on. Gotcha. Okay. Um, St. Louis. St. Louis. Louis. It's a cute little place though. St. Louis. They got a cute little downtown. You can walk around. Uh, Bonnie and Matt have a little uh, Airbnb that you can rent. And uh, um, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I mean, I probably, I probably would have retired had I not met him. I think he's going to get flooded. Maybe I <laughs> after this podcast, because I have well, a lot of clients that will fly totally to like, get. Are you not training other people to do <laughs> this because you know <laughs> you're kidding? Yeah. Me. I mean, he had the whole like Olympic um, team from China fly in and work with him, and he's had huh. you know a couple different athletes like fly from other countries just to come work with him. So, um, but he's just an interesting guy, and he just really understands how the body moves, and he understands what you're trying to do. So. Mm -hmm. 
um, I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but like he's oh, always yeah, absolutely. putting really great content out for everybody. And you know, I need to get my mom to go and see him because should. she's getting limited. And uh, he he did a post on her squat. Uh, he you know mm-hmm. she just you know and uh, <clears throat> I should I should try him because she just did some stem cell and she's she's got more range of motion. But I you know I feel like if we could layer in some other stuff and that's yeah. not my expertise. I mean I know the basics like external rotators and mm-hmm. you know face bowls and stuff, but not the degree that somebody like Dr. Aaron would know. Yeah. So I'm gonna bookmark that one. Okay, before we before we wrap up, I want to also try to tease out of you two beasts about mindset. Like how do you stay so passionate about lifting, whether you're no longer competing, which is the case for Marisa or for you, Jen, you're still competing. Are you still in the open? Yes. Right. This is like, that's crazy. You are 50 (laughs) years old. You're competing against 20 year olds and we have this whole myth, right? So you're just crushing this myth about, you know, sarcopenia and, you know, hormonal fluctuations and you know losing your muscle and losing your drive and all of this stuff so I'd like to hear from both of you about what it is what it is that you guys what do you think that you're doing that allows you to keep your passion high Mister? yeah sure <laughs> uh well for me because I think like anytime I've done a Q&A I always get like how do you stay motivated and like Jen like I've been doing this since I was 17 and I, I just love the way that I feel afterwards. Like even when I know it's going to be a hard session or I've had like any kind of stressful event in my life, like a lot of the big majority of time, like when I competed, even like at a high level, I was going through a ton of stuff, like a ton of things, like through divorce, moving, losing a house, like just a lot of major things that were happening where most people would be like, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to be depressed and, and sit on my couch and like lifting really is just one of those things where it's like you can compartmentalize none of that outside stuff matters i'm just going to focus on me get through this training session and would feel 10 times better for it so i gotta tell everyone even if you are having a bad day go in and move do something it doesn't need to be like you know your one rep max day but when you get out of there you're going to feel so much better you're going to have so much more clarity and all of those things that were maybe weighing on you from before even if for if, even if it's for that 45 minutes they're just gone you're not thinking about it yep or so in Jen's me, case, two hours. Yeah, for Jen's case, two hours. But for me, like that's just always just been such like a, a staple in my life for you know staying like having normalcy when everything is going wrong. That's the one place yeah. that change. It's like the normal place. Whether you know you've had kids and now you need like time for yourself, the gym. Going through a stressful time, go to the gym. And the endorphine rush and it's that yeah. routine and it's, it's my dad time, died. Right? It's quality went time. to the gym. Like, yeah. and it's kind of like, people might think like, oh, that's like such a selfish thing to do, but it's actually just, if that, if that 30 minutes away just brings you back to center, it's the best thing that you can do for yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think I pretty much am right in line with that. I think, um, well, we've been doing it for so long. It, it's part of who you are, you know, at this part, you know, if you stop doing it, it would change your identity in a way, you know, I identify as being this power lifter, I really identify lurking this particular way. I like looking like this. Um, and I've set it up so I enjoy the time in the gym. Like we, you know, even when our kids were small and we were short on time, we always had friends that came over and worked out with us and that we could kind of, like you said, it's like a, 
It's that one moment in time where you can just let everything go, not stress about things. You carve out this time for you and it's all about just the lifting and, and you always feel you know better when it's done. So I just think, um, and I, I still enjoy the competing. Like when we go, like it's, you see a lot of the same people, you see your friends, you see new faces, but you know, powerlifting is a special community where we really all love what we do. And it's, I think probably one of the few sports where you're all in there back there, high fiving each other, encouraging each other. It's not, you know, mean and nasty and, you know, I'm taking you down or anything like that, you know? And, um, and I think too, for me, like when I started powerlifting in the nineties, you know, it was in um, hotel ballrooms off the airport and nobody was watching you. You know, and to be in this moment now, you know, where you go lift at the Arnold in front of tens of thousands of people and people recognize you and they want your autograph. And when you lift, there's lights and there's media and there's spokespeople and there's like smoke and like, like it's a production, like to be able to experience that, I think is pretty awesome. And I just feel like I want to, um, I don't, I want to do it as, as long as I can. So, um, so for me, like the motivation is that, God dang it, that phone never rings. Never. That, that <laughs> it's our landline. <laughs> we got to keep that in the video. We got to keep it in. <laughs> this is how you know you're 50 when you still have a landline. It's, it's, it's Dr. Aaron. He's calling you. <laughs> well, we have to have a landline for Donovan's work. All the doctors have. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we have one, but it never. <laughs> okay, but wait a minute. So. You are, so I do, and people that are listening might not realize this, but like the U, let me get this right. The, was it the U, you're now with USAPL, correct? USA Powerlifting. That's why I've always lived USA Powerlifting. There. Okay. Yeah. There used to be the I, 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 we used to be partnered with the IPF. We're just not, we're our own entity. And it was very now. kind of stodgy and, and boring, but now it's yeah. like this, uh, like WWE. <laughs> yeah. Even our nationals are like, you know, we have the prime time and like, yeah, yeah. like when you lift at the nationals in prime time, like the crowd there's like an open bar the crowd's out there drinking they're wow. like cheering you on you know and they're in it with you and i mean there's no better feeling to have people like you know sh- shout and encourage for you and want you to do something it's just like yeah. you know for sure marie said were you were you still competing when this was when this transition was happening where it was getting more and more yeah i made the switch to pa which is the other affiliate uh, powerlifting America that goes to the IPF. And my main reasoning for that is I wanted it to go to worlds one more time because uh, I won nationals in 2019 with USAPL and then COVID happened. So then I couldn't worlds. Was oh, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. then the split happened during that time. And I was like, Oh, I want to give myself like one more worlds. Cause I just felt like dealing with injury and not being able to go the one year when I got Sure. Even pull off the floor. And, you know, I wanted one more chance at the IPF because, you know, like all of the best lifters in the world compete at the IPF. Um, so I wanted one more chance. And, you know, unfortunately, it didn't end the way that I wanted it to end just because I was dealing with my back again and then like a flare up in my shoulder yeah. back. So, you know, I mean, but yeah, I wanted to give it one more go. So, yeah, the the PA is still there and and, and it, it is more of a more boring federation. It's, <laughs> I just like, <laughs> Well, the IPF is boring. I mean, it's a they. It's definitely not. You know, even when IPF was affiliated with USAPL, USAPL Nationals was ten x better than Worlds. As far as 
as far as production value. Like, I think it's never been this, like, you know. So, so would you recommend then if people are like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell our team, you know, if you've got gals that want to invest in powerlifting and most of our, uh, our clients are Americans. Um, we actually just had a couple of people competing recently. I'm not sure what, uh, what federation they were in, but, uh, but, um, maybe going to, it's the USA powerlifting. Yeah. So, yeah, That's so, the one where it's a bit more of a event, yeah, right? I would say if they have aspirations of going to worlds and competing like on a world stage, you have to compete PA because that's the only federation that's affiliated with the IPF. But USAPL is still bigger in terms of like membership. They're going to have a lot more meets and they're also uh, doing their own international uh, world cup. Cup. We got the world cup coming now. And, you know, and and that's just going to be really just based on what's closest to you. Because I know when I first started competing, I didn't know anything. I just Googled and there was a USAPL meet. And it's and it's crazy how life works, because if if it would have been you, you, USPA, let's just say, maybe it would have taken a different direction because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known that there's these other feds. I just went to this is the closest meet for me. And for most people, I just tell them, just look up one. For your first meet, you don't want to drive, you know, 10 hours. If it's, there's one that's 30 minutes away, just go there. Maybe that's WRPF. That doesn't mean you can't go to another federation as you get more into it. Mm-hmm. Jen, you have a competition coming up in March, right? Is that, is Arnold's March still? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a bit about that? Cause I, you know, some of the listeners might actually want to go and go to see you compete, get your autograph <laughs> or, or watch. <laughs> Um, Arnold's always kind of like a special, Marisa can tell you, like, it's just a special place because you know, obviously it's Arnold Schwarzenegger's big deal. But I mean, what's cool is all the other sports that are there also, you know, you can see weightlifting, you can see fencing, you can see CrossFit, you can see cheerleading, you can see MMA. I mean, just name it, wrestling, um, strip curl, which I'm doing this year, um, all sorts of stuff. So it's really just kind of, it's a, um, uh, a lifting expo almost like um so that's kind of the fun part and there's tons of people and there's the big um expo and they have oh strongman is really big also um and so they have different events on the main stage and then there's events going on down the hallways and um then any you know like athletic supplement company in the world has a booth there giving away free crap that everybody you know, wants to get um but this year i just i opted to do um bench press i i declined the pro powerlifting event because um i had done i had done the nationals and i actually did the olympia in november and i just felt like listening to my body i was like i can't do another one yet like i just need to um i need to work on form and technique and give uh my body a little bit of break from some of the heavyweights and just the stress of competing like trying to work your way up to these particular numbers is super stressful so um, you know, and bench comes pretty easy to me. So I signed up for the bench one. And then um, on Sunday and on Saturday, I'm doing the strict curl competition. Um, on the Was it a bicep team. curl? Yeah, it's a bicep curl, like an easy curl. Ball. So listeners, uh, Jen's biceps, I feel are as big as my <laughs> legs. Just FYI. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, I'm not joking. Um, and so when is the Arnold's exactly March? It's the... The, always the first weekend of March first in of Columbus March. Convention Center. So yeah. So in Columbus, um, Ohio, in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. It's a pretty fun event. Like some, some people go every year, like just as like a pilgrimage. Cause that's their yeah, thing they do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just fun. Like it's just a whole lot of fun. So, 
That's, well, good good luck with that. Thank you. I'm looking forward I to it. I don't think you'll need it, but good well, luck, and hopefully you'll get another PR. That would be amazing. Can never have too much luck, I feel like. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I could just go on and on with you, too. There's so much I would love to talk about, and we just literally covered three small things. We covered what could you do? <laughs> <laughs> if you could go back in time, uh, what would you do differently? Um, how you can continue to go strong, even with injury, workarounds and all of that. And some of the mindset on staying, you know, staying passionate about what it is you do. And I think identity is the big, the big takeaway. Like you've got to really have your, your mind set right, identifying with being an athlete, being somebody who trains in the gym and understanding the benefits of it. You don't just do it for a competition. You're doing it because you love it and you love how you how it grounds you and how it makes you feel. Um, I know both of you do coaching as well. Um, Marisa, they can find you on your Instagram. You have links to Juggernaut. They've got, Mm -hmm. do you still do one-on-one coaching? Are you still accepting clients? Um, I think I just have like one open availability for one-on-one, but yeah. (laughs) That's what I saw. I went and I went and entered it. I'm like, is she still taking (laughs) It said one, one product left. Okay. So guys, if it's still there, when this podcast comes out, you try to grab it. (laughs) What about apps? Um, Nutrition, you recommend people to the Renaissance, right? Yeah. So we don't do nutrition at Juggernaut just because we're not nutritionists. So we just refer everyone over to RP. Um, Yeah. And then as far as as lifting the juggernautai.app. Okay, so those are the two ways that they can work with you or get get a, um, a, yeah. a model of programming for the Juggernaut AI app. Jim, what about you? You have Thompson Gym. Yeah, Thompson's Gym app. I have all my programs I personally use on there with some, um, like, my ones I used with my kids when they were starting and, uh, like, beginner level and that sort of thing. Um, and they're winning, they're winning competitions now, right? Yeah, yeah. Tuck's training for collegiate nationals in April, wow. which is is big. Um, it's a very high level <laughs> event. So we'll, we'll see. How do. He's training hard. I mean, he's working now full time, going to school three nights a week and training for that. So it's a lot. I'm, he's locked up tight. <laughs> I keep, I'm telling him it's a lot, but stay the course kid. You got it. Um, and then Brody, my younger one, he just does some local stuff. He just really, he's playing baseball in college next year and he's just trying to, um, he does competitions cause it makes him push himself in the gym. But he doesn't necessarily love them or the competing part. So, <laughs> but your app works obviously because you yeah. they've they've had great results with your two kids. Yeah, and um, if you if you if you're on my app, you get into my community, and so in my community we do encouragement, video reviews, questions, things like. Wow, that. that's amazing! Video yeah, reviews, so, great. Um, I try to help them out as much as I can, and but I'm just not like. Um, I'm not personally available to them whenever they want. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and we don't, you know, we don't, you know, do probably what Marisa does is zoom and really track, um, their progress, but they can ask for help and we're giving it to them. So there's that. Great. And, and, if, and so for both of you, it's all skill levels or is it just elite who, who would be it's a good everybody. fit? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Marisa. I think Jen and I are about the same with like, we, mm-hmm work with anybody and because we both come from like a bodybuilding background too. So it's kind of, yeah, pretty open. I mean, most of my one-on-ones, most of them don't compete. They just want to get strong and lift. And I I think that's like a big, like 
misconception with like powerlifting in general, like, oh, if you do all three, you have to compete. And it's like, well, you know, competing is not something like everyone has the drive or the discipline for, but right. the training is still a good carryover for just everyday life. And there's nothing oh, yeah. more fun than seeing yourself get stronger at any age, especially when you're over 40. Like that's like the most rewarding thing when women get their first pull up or they squat body weight or they bench body weight, which when you get that, that plate on there and you're doing 135, it's like such a huge milestone. It's a huge milestone. And, um, and I think probably having a coach that is, that is a multiple champion lifter is also probably going to give you a lot of confidence when you go to the gym, right? Like does she, this is what she wants me to do. Yeah. She, she knows that I can do it. I know that's how I felt when I was working with Chad, yeah. you know, when he put 215 for a double and I thought he was crazy and trying to kill me. <laughs> you got to believe. <laughs> you got to believe. And Jen, you've also got, are there still spots for your Tobo, Tobo, is it Tobo trip? It's Trova, Tro- Trova, Trova trip. Trip. Yes. Yeah. yeah um, I think we have like five or six more spots before we're like full, um, but we're going to Costa Rica and we're doing, wow. Um, we're squat bench and done the seminars while we're there in between like what an opportunity the rock climbing and the snorkeling and all that sort of good (laughs) stuff so i'm super excited about it um and they can find that on your instagram link tree and also on your website definitely yeah my youtube i was putting tutorials and just different tips i saw that some really great new tutorials i'm going to be setting my clients there oh good All right, guys. Thank you so much for being on the the show. Thank you for sharing all your incredible wisdom. Good luck, Jen, at your in March at the Arnold. Thank you. Yeah, good luck. And Marisa, I hope I see you in Mexico. Yeah, we'll be there. San Miguel. <laughs> the Wonder Women Podcast is proudly sponsored and produced by Social Fix. Social Fix is a transformational digital agency specializing in digital marketing web design, social media, video, and podcast production for fitness, beauty, health, and wellness brands. Visit socialfix.com and request a free consultation for your brand's online image.